to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Well, if that were only true. Boom! Good morning! (laughs) Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today. That's true most days. That's true most days. Just not during December when Mike Casper likes to go run off and look for warmer places to play golf. Here's here's a question for you. Yeah. Between a snowstorm and Arctic air, what would you prefer? I actually would prefer a bit of a snowstorm myself because the snowstorm, you know, is gone. It happened. uh, It wasn't even a a huge one. But now it's being replaced by Arctic air, which is how do we put this cold and dry? Yeah. That pretty much sums up uh, what we're going to see over the next several days here in the Treasure Valley. If, If you're getting up and you're getting ready to go out on the roads today, drive to work, get the kids to school, do all the things. Be aware there is some icy conditions yeah. out there. Now, the good news is snow plows have been out. They've been out treating roads all night, and roads are in pretty good condition for the most part. But that's I'm, not going to be the case in your neighborhood. And if you didn't, um, you know, brush off your driveway yesterday, you're going to have slickered and yesterday crazy conditions yeah, there too. Driving in on Fairview, uh, there were basically I mean, there were four, you know, tire tracks. Two on the right side and two on the left side. Right. And uh, today it was completely clear. So yeah. it's quite a bit different than yesterday. Yeah. I didn't have any problems getting out of my neighborhood. I didn't have any problems on the freeways. You know, all all the roads were in, in pretty mm-hmm. good shape today. So crews that were out all night making sure that the kids would be able to get to school. And, you know, there is no snow day today, by the way, kids. Sorry. I was amazed yesterday. It was Bob Sorry Barker's birthday and, and he turned 99. The which, price is wrong. Which, which means, you know yeah, what? no kidding. Which means that <laughs> he was working into his late eighties easily, uh, but ninety nine years old. And then today, Dick Van Dyke turns ninety seven. That's crazy that he's still around kicking too. I That's love ter- Dick it's. Van Dyke. It's terrific. Uh, Christopher Plummer, that was in uh, Sound of Music, and he's also won an Oscar. He's ninety three. He has so, a terrific you know, voice. I love Chris Plummer. Good for them. Yeah, I don't know that I'll live that long. But I know I won't be in the shape they are. My goodness. <laughs> Those guys, they do some work. Uh, there are some big things that are going to be happening today. You're going to hear a lot about President Joe Biden today. He will sign legislation protecting same-sex and interracial marriages. Uh, Biden is hosting a celebration starting at uh, 3.30 Eastern time today, 1 o'clock local, yeah. White House South Lawn. With lawmakers and cabinet members. Now, basically, this just says that states can't overrule this anymore. Right? I'll give you a good example. By the way, it's called the Respect for Marriage Act, and it becomes law today. Only one Idaho government official supported it in Washington, and that would be Congressman Mike Simpson. And his example, I think, works. How come... If Idaho's delegation votes three to one against something, the one vote for it is always Mike Simpson. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But I think his example does make sense. Basically, here's what he said, and I'm just paraphrasing. Okay. He said, if if you have a company like Micron, and they're out there trying to recruit an exceptional employee, and you tell them, hey, I know you've been married for several years somewhere else, but as soon as you come to Idaho you're not married anymore. Yeah, we don't recognize that We don't here. recognize your marriage. How's that work? Uh, they so don't basically, he, he's saying, you can't just wipe somebody's marriage off the books 
if they've been married for many, many years other places. And federal law will uphold that. I happen to agree with him. But can states cut it off now? Like, say, can a state say, okay, nobody gets married here anymore unless it's a man and a woman? Well, not according to this. Okay. Not according to the new law. The Respect for Marriage Act will become law today, signed into uh, legislation uh, by President Joe Biden. It's kind of funny they call it the Respect for Marriage Act. Back when uh, states were, I mean, back when they were trying to uh, pass same-sex marriage, the people who were against it were basically saying it was respect for marriage mm-hmm. that was what was keeping them from voting for it. Well, the this bill passed with bipartisan support in both chambers of Congress after months of negotiation, particularly yeah. over provisions related to religion. The House voted last week 258 to 169 to send the bill to the president's desk after the Senate also passed it 61 to 36. A minority of Republicans joined Democrats in both of those votes. Um, this was a priority for Democrats after the Supreme Court's June decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, in which five conservative justices ruled to overturn Roe v. Wade in the national guarantee to abortion access. Justice Clarence Thomas, in uh, a concurring opinion, as the story says, said he believes the court should reconsider other precedents based on similar legal doctrine including 2015's uh, ruling, which found that the 14th Amendment requires all states to license same-sex marriages. Respect for Marriage Act doesn't include uh, this particular national requirement, uh, Obergfell's national requirement, but will mandate that individual states recognize same-sex and interracial marriages that were lawfully performed in another state. Okay, That's how that will work. None, um, of this, none of this named after a former St. Louis Cardinal, Ken Obergfell. By no, way. that would not be the, the one. By the way, it wasn't a terrible hitter, but really not a very good glovesman. Uh, <laughs> just pointing that out, Ken Obergfell. That's why they made you a DH, big guy. Uh, President Biden has long uh, said this was a big deal for him uh, and has supported same-sex marriage. Um. In any case, not to get too far into it, but it is something you'll be seeing an awful lot about today. You'll be hearing about it at the top of the every hour, probably from ABC. A lot of people are celebrating this. I know there are some here in Idaho, uh, especially on the conservative side, that don't like it. And I understand your reasons. I happen to support it. And I think some respect is uh, in order for this one. My opinion only. Yeah. Say what you like, and we'll open up the phone for you at 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-KBOI, or pound 670 on your Verizon wireless if you'd like to chime in on that, as it is the big news of the day. There's something else we're going to tell you about, though, where energy is concerned, that even producer Nathaniel is, like, spiking the football on. It's a pretty good, pretty good thing. 615, it's time for sports. Brought to you by the Pork Belly in Cuna. Pork Belly in downtown Cuna features smoked coffee beans, plant-based energy drinks, fresh donuts on weekends, and 
There's a lot more going on there as well. Needy tip drips at the pork belly. Stop by and see them every day. They're open 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. in Huna. So, first and foremost, football game last night. Good for the Patriots, not so good for the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> in a number of different ways. Did you watch a game last night? Uh, some of it. I didn't, I didn't watch see all of it. a single snap of it last night. I, 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 saw, was... I saw the first half and then a little bit of the second half. And then uh, what happened? Oh, yeah, Debbie came home. Ah, well, that would do it. Turn that football game off, you creep. No, she, she just sorry about that. She watches the news. That's pretty much it. If the um, Washington Commanders were on, she'd be watching that. <clears throat> That's her team, right? Well, it, it, it for the most part, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, football she, game. She's, uh, she's still kind of boycotting their owner, though. Gotcha. Patriots beat the Cardinals last night, twenty-seven to thirteen. The bigger problem here is the Cardinals. All everything. This is how their offense works. Yeah. Quarterback Kyler Murray looks like he has a torn ACL. Now it's not official yet. They're going to uh, do a lot more tests. But if you believe what you're hearing, uh, it's a torn ACL, and that's going to have excuse me, him out the rest of the year. And because of when it's happening in December, his status for the beginning of next year will also be up in the air. Now, I have no doubt that he'll have surgery and that he'll start work on rehab, probably PDQ, but um, this is terrible for the Cardinals who are going to try and make a uh, run to the playoffs. Had they gone... Five and eight last night instead of four and nine, mm-hmm. they would be somewhat in striking range. They'd have to, you know, run the, the table the rest of the year and get some some breaks along right, the way. Right. But they're they're in big trouble right now. <laughs> KBOI News Time is six seventeen. Five home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at three. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. 624, once again, Mike Casper is out today. But Chris Walton's here, and I just get to hang out with him today. I'm Rick Worthington. Lucky you. What'd you win the lottery? me. Or'd you lose the lottery? Well, it depends on how you look at it. Right now, uh, you're not offering donuts or anything, so, I mean. That's a good point. Yeah. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm was set to announce a major scientific breakthrough today in the decades-long quest to harness fusion the energy that powers the sun. It's the energy that powers other stars. Check this out. Okay. Researchers in California at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory have, for the first time, produced more energy in a fusion reaction than was used to ignite it. And that's a first ever, then. Yeah, it's something called net energy gain. And according to government officials and a scientist familiar with the research... They spoke on the condition of anonymity because they weren't authorized to discuss this particular breakthrough ahead of the announcement that's coming up later today. Uh, Granholm was scheduled to appear alongside Livermore researchers at a morning event in Washington. The Department of Energy declined to give details ahead of time, um, but this has been reported now by the Financial Times, so we can tell you about this as not just being garbage. Proponents of fusion hope that this could one day produce nearly limitless carbon-free energy displacing fossil fuels and other traditional energy sources producing energy that powers homes and businesses from fusion is still a long long ways off right Mm -hmm. but researchers say this is the first 
big, in fact, a giant step. Professor Dennis White, Director of Plasma Science Infusion Center in Massachusetts Institute of Technology, he's a leader in fusion research, says, it's almost like the starting gun going off. We should be pushing towards making fusion energy systems available to tackle climate change and energy security. So this could actually be a big breakthrough. then. That's what they're saying. Now, I don't... Look, I I only play a scientist on the radio. (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? Right. I don't know anything about this. I know what fusion is, essentially, and I know there have... I it's, mean, look, um, we even saw it's movies a made about this. That, it's a restaurant know, that has both Chinese and Japanese food. Yeah. You remember, what was the movie that uh, <laughs> Val Kilmer did? It was called The Saint. Uh-huh. It was about fusion energy that they used, like, a, a gallon of seawater and produced enough energy to, you know, run an entire city off just a, a gallon of water. Right. Well, I mean, it's a movie, all yeah. right? In this case, I think they used a piece of metal and they focused a bunch of, I don't want to say lasers, but basically that's what they did. And they charged that thing up, and they got more energy out of it than what they put into it. And that is pretty exciting if you're a scientist, where you would be doing cartwheels and, like, throwing zingers at people just to, I mean, for the heck of it. It's like, here, have a zinger. Look, they are excited in the laboratories today because they believe this is the first to a number of steps to harness energy that nobody's ever been to harness before. Now, I mean, there are people in the government right now are saying, now, how can we weaponize this? Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> well, some people, that's their job. Yeah, you're Coming right. With new weapons. Billions of dollars and decades of work have gone into fusion research that has produced exhilarating results for a fraction of a second. Anyway, they use 92, 192 lasers and temperatures multiple times hotter than the center of the sun to create an extremely brief fusion reaction. It's how the story why describes I, what happened. Why do I feel like 20 years from now I'm going to be thinking, uh, wow, I, mean, I, I can't believe that happened, and I didn't think to you know, buy more uh, how can energy I invest company. in this today? Yeah, I, didn't, make out I didn't think to years. buy more energy company stock. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like how, like, 40 years ago, I didn't think to buy computer stock. It's a big deal in in the world of science, and they're celebrating this today, and there will be more discussion on this because they'll have a presser later today in Washington. All right, KBOI News Time, 628. For your Google Play, simply say, hey, Google, play 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's 641 on News Talk KBOI. Mike Casper's out today. Should be back tomorrow, though. Rick Worthington filling in. If you're driving a Dodge Ram pickup, Chris Walton, do you drive a Dodge Ram pickup? You did at one point, didn't you? Uh, I, it wasn't a Ram. I had a, a Dodge Dakota. Ah, that's right. For many that's years. Right. I know you had a Dodge pickup. Yeah. Um, there's a recall of about $1.25 million. Dodge Ram pickups because the tailgates may not close completely and cargo could come spilling out into the road. Uh, that recall is covering Ram 1500, 2500, and 3500 pickups from the years. These are new ones, 2019 to 2022 model years. 
the company, formerly Fiat Chrysler, says they found that striker plates on the pickups might not be lined up right to allow complete closure. I see. So they say they're they're not it's aware always, of any related crashes or injuries, though. It's always good to get complete closure. That's right. Most of those pickups that they say need to be recalled, though, are here in North America as opposed to other countries. Mm-hmm. Dealers will inspect the tailgate striker alignment and adjust it if they need to. You will be notified later in January whether or not your pickup truck is one of them that needs to be looked at. In the meantime, they say you should make sure you secure your cargo in the bed of your truck as best you can, just in case. Pickups with multifunction tailgates, the Ram 1500 Classic, and trucks with sensors that alert drivers to unsecured tailgates will not be affected by the recall, according to the company. But if you are driving a Ram 1500, 2500, or 3500 pickup between the years 2019 and 2022 model years, those are the newest ones, you might be affected by that. And that's probably worth you knowing about um, as you did buy a I got brand a, new truck after all. I got a piece of trivia for you. Let's have it. What country in the world has the most pickup trucks? Well, if it's not the United States, we got rednecks somewhere else in the world I want to know about. It's not. In fact, the United States is third. The U.S. has about 350,000 pickup trucks. Japan has 500,000. China, 2.2 million. Okay, China, I'll buy because there are a lot more people in China. Right. Right. But Japan? Yeah. Pickup trucks? Well, they have a lot of, like, you know, Toyota, Nissan, that sort of thing. I mean, that smaller pickup trucks. Yeah, but it's such a little place. Well, everybody kind of makes their own space there. Well, they do make a pretty darn good car over there in Japan, though. I'm going to give them that. Tip my cap to them on that Toyota pickup. India, by the way, is in fourth place. They have about 275,000 pickup trucks. But yes, I mean when, when you think, I mean per when capita, you think of let's when, do that for Idaho. When you think of Japan and China, <laughs> you don't necessarily think oh people driving pickup trucks, but they do. Per capita, which state has the most pickup trucks? <laughs> well, Idaho's going to be up there. I don't know if it'll beat some places in the south that I've seen, but Idaho's going to be up there. Nevada's pretty big, and just about everybody has a pickup in Nevada too. Yeah. Of course, you're talking about places where you know might need a pickup all right it's 6 45 it's time for sports i've got something for you you are going to want to hear by the way it's brought to you by the pork belly in downtown cuna open every day 7 a.m to 2 p.m pork belly breakfast brunch and lunch with a twist again 7 a.m to 2 p.m open oh, every day see their menu at the porkbelly idaho.com very quickly idaho fourth in percentage of pickup trucks after Wyoming, Montana, and North Dakota. All right, check this out. We know now that former Boise State offensive coordinator Tim Plow, remember that guy? Mm -hmm. Got fired? His offense didn't work? He's got a new job. It's a pretty good one. It's not the greatest job, but it's going to pay better than what he made here, I'll bet. Tim Plow will be the tight ends coach at Cal. No, they just made that announcement yesterday. He'll work under former Broncos defensive coordinator, Justin Wilcox, who's been the head coach there since 2017. 
Says Wilcox, I am thrilled to add a coach with Tim's credentials and experience coordinating an offense to our staff. He's an innovative and versatile coach who has produced strong offenses and is well-respected in the coaching profession. Plow joining the Broncos, as you remember, in January of 2021 after spending four years as the coordinator at UC Davis. He was fired less than 24 hours after Boise State's loss to UTEP back on September 23rd. And what happened after that? Uh, Broncos offense took off. Boise State started winning. Took off. Now, we can all discuss why that happened, whether it was Tim Plow, whether it was Broncos' former quarterback. I mean, Hank Bachmeyer, we thought was all pretty good. Those guys were going to be around for a while, and it didn't work. Meanwhile, Talon Green looks like Superman, and I was right. I knew it. All right, that's it. Okay. That's the big story. Uh, People want to know about the Broncos' new offensive coordinator. When that's going to happen, there's a story up on that today as well that we'll share with you coming up. KBOI News Time is 647. The Great One, Mark Levin, tonight at 7. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It is 6.59. We don't have much time until the top of the hour, but we do have a damn near impossible question coming up. Chris. We do. The number you will need to call in about an hour and a half is 208-336-3700. Don't call now. You are playing for a $50 gift certificate to Costa Vida. And the question this morning brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, a local company with a global network for all your real estate needs. Call 208-888-4128. Which American president was the first one to visit all 50 states? America. I said... I'll give you a hint. It was not yeah. George Washington. I Yeah, I, I think you're probably on that. Right. I, I can't give a hint because I think somebody's going to get this one, so... Stand by for your chance to win. KBOI News Time. It is 7 o'clock. Be a part of the show at 336-3700 or toll-free 1-800-529-KBOI. Now, back to Casper and Chris on News Talk KBOI. It is 7.07. Mike Casper is off today. I'm Rick Worthington filling in. Mike should be back tomorrow, though. But Chris Walton's here. We could celebrate that. Christmas is coming. Uh, There are several things that we should talk about today, but uh, most notably, as I am keeping an eye on the news today, the Dow futures are up 766 points right now. That's 2.23%. And it has a lot to do with the inflation report. Says uh, inflation rose at 7.1% over last year. But apparently it wasn't what we thought it was going to say, and that's good. So the Dow likes it a lot. But we thought it was going to be even higher than that, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We thought it was going to be much, much worse than that. So the Dow is responding very well. I'll be interested to hear what uh, Jeremiah Bates has to say as we get towards 730 this morning. So stand by for that. Plenty of things happen in the news today. Um I was talking about the Marriage Equality Act. It's going to be signed into law today by President Joe Biden. It is, uh, it's not being celebrated by everybody, and that's okay. 
but he will sign legislation protecting same-sex and interracial marriage. Biden hosting that celebration around 1.30 our time. It'll be at the White House South Lawn with lawmakers and cabinet members, and it's called the Respect for Marriage Act, and it will become law today. Uh, What all are they doing? There will be musical guests and performances. (laughs) Also note that, uh, yeah, much more work to be done, they also said. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's going to be a big celebration. House voting last week. 258 to 196 to send the bill to Biden's desk after the Senate passed it again, 61 to 36, uh, with a minority of Republicans joining Democrats on both of those votes. So it's not like just one or two Republicans went on over and agreed right. with it was, this. This was, it, it this was, was several. Yeah. But uh, apparently there were no Democrats who voted against it. So that is correct. They were entirely Republican. That is correct. Now, there is one Idaho member of the Idaho delegation, I should say, that voted in favor of this, and that would be Congressman Mike Simpson. Mm -hmm. As we mentioned, it it, it seems like whenever the Idaho delegation doesn't uh, vote four to zero for something, it's three to one, and the one is always Simpson. I don't know why that is. Um, I happen to agree with him in this particular case. That may not be the most conservative uh, thing that I've ever done on this radio station, but I don't really have a problem with it. Here, Here's the example that Congressman Simpson gave. I talked about this last hour, and I'll just give it to you the way he put it. If you have a company that is trying to recruit someone outstanding to that particular field, and you say to them, yes, Idaho's a great place to live, but you're not going to be married anymore when you get here probably not going to work out very well for you, Mr. Whoever you are from whatever company right. trying to bring those people in. Uh, it, And I say those people, I mean people who are talented, very good at what they do, but also happen to be gay and married. If you try and tell somebody, hey, I know you've been married in whatever state you live in for the last 10 years, but as soon as you move to Idaho, we're not going to... Um, recognize your marriage anymore yeah those people aren't moving here those in prospective employees aren't going to want to come to idaho and i think i wonder you know, if congressman if, uh, simpson's right about that you have to respect would you still be considered as having a, would you still be considered as having a civil partnership not according to the state based on what others other Republicans well, have voted on this. It's important for uh, you know insurance and things like that. It is. But there are several out there that don't want to support this particular bill. And I can appreciate your reasons. I'm not going to tell you what you should or shouldn't believe religiously. I'm not that person. But I, I, I will tell you that I just happen to agree that protecting same-sex and interracial marriage is important. So I guess I'll be the guy it's, that stands up for the LGBTQ. It feels, uh, again, it, it feels kind of weird that uh, we're still discussing interracial marriage in 2022. I uh, happen to agree. I, you know, I wasn't even aware anybody wanted to make that illegal. Yeah, well, there. I don't know that they want to make it illegal so much as they just don't want to vote to make it legal. And there is a difference. Yeah, that's you true. know, if that's true. if you are a conservative Republican 
You may not be against it, but I can't vote for it. I can't. My my constituents will not like it if I vote in favor of it. It reminds me of of, uh, when they decriminalize something. And, of course, this happens in Oregon from time to time. They decriminalize something, but they don't make it legal. Yeah. Yeah. There is a difference for lawmakers between supporting it and voting for it. Okay, you can't do this. Well, is it a crime to do it? No. Well, then what is it? Well, uh, I don't know. That's politics in it's, a nutshell. It's, you know? for, it's forbidden, though. That's what I know. So we're talking about the Respect for Marriage Act, which did pass Congress. It will be signed into law today on the uh, South Lawn of the White House, one thirty local time, three thirty Washington time, and there's you know it's a celebration for many, and I can't blame him for that. Yeah. It's 714 in News Talk KBOI. I would tell you to call about that, but since we have some other things going on this hour, such as, what have we got going on this hour? Yeah, we do have a market report coming up. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, Gavin Newsom visited the border yesterday. Apparently, just so uh, when it comes I didn't even know he could find when, his way there. When, when it comes down to it, if he is running for president, uh, nobody will be able to see. Well, he ha- he hasn't even I mean, been was to the he campaigning across the border. No, I think what he, was he doing over I there? Think, I think he basically just went there so he could say that he's been there. Hey, you guys that are on the border, come on over. You keep hearing this. Make about, sure you vote for Gavin. You keep hearing this about <laughs> Joe Biden. Well, he's never even been to the border. Well, Gavin Newsom has. Well, now, he so has now. There we there we are. And uh, Gavin's never been to the new, border. Sure, you have. There's Gavin. a new survey about partisan brands. Uh huh. Uh, and Tesla has now been added to that, that apparently Republicans just in the last few weeks uh, look very favorably now upon Tesla, and fewer Democrats do. I see. All right, KBOI News Time at 7.15. Time for a look at sports this morning. It's brought to you by the Pork Belly. Stop by the Pork Belly in downtown CUNA for a delicious breakfast or lunch. They are now open. Large portions that will fill you up at family-friendly prices. They're open every day, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. You will want to stop by and see them for neat eats and hip drips at the Pork Belly, where we endorse the sausage gravy over there wholeheartedly. Did you watch football last night, folks? Actually, hold on. Breaking news in sports. Okay. Mississippi State coach Mike Leach has died at the age of 61. Really? I heard that he was taken to the hospital last night. Apparently it was related to a heart condition. Wow. Mississippi State football coach Mike Leach has died after complications related to a heart condition. He was 61 years old. Hmm. Yeah, the uh, th- that is that's that's very breaking news because most of the headlines that I have still say that he's in uh, critical condition or uh, uh, this released about five ten minutes ago. Yeah. Um, Leach's family said in a statement released this morning by the school that Leach participated in organ donation at the University of Mississippi Medical Center as a final act of charity. Wow. Leach suffered what the university initially described in a news release as a personal health issue at his home on Sunday, which required him to be airlifted uh, to the medical center in Jackson, about 125 miles from Mississippi State. 
Leach in his third season as Mississippi State's head coach told ESPN after the regular season concluded that he struggled with pneumonia during the season but was feeling better. Um, I remember him, you know, for uh, so many years up at uh, Wazoo. Yeah, what he was he, um, he was at what? Texas Tech from 2000 to 2009 right. and then at Washington State from 2012 to 2019. Yeah, so eight seasons there. He was the AFCA National Coach of the Year in 2018 at Washington State. And he was known for that air raid offense. 158 and 107 in his 21 years as a head coach. And he was a little quirky. And it was fun to see the post-game interview and see where that was going to go, what direction he would take it. And he was talking about wedding gifts, I think. at the Yeah, he was fun. And he was good. Mike Leach, gone at the age of 61. It's too bad. KBOI News Time is 718. Time for the Morning Market Report. Powered by CapEd Credit Union. Keeping you informed about your money before the market opens. Sponsored by Tree City Advisors. On News Talk, KBOI, Boise. 724, Jeremiah Bates joins us. A wealth management advisor from Tree City Advisors. And uh, today might be a good day for the market. Uh, I've been kind of taking a look and up over 700 points on the Dow. Uh, now up over 841 points on the Dow. It has everything to do with core inflation and uh, maybe some breathing room on rates. Does that include mortgage rates? Yeah, I mean, well, because well, mortgage rates are closely tied to the 10-year Treasury yield. And obviously, there was a ton of uncertainty in the, uh, really the interest, really in the market around interest rates, because we had high sticky inflation throughout the year. There was all this speculation around what the Federal Reserve is going to do. Thus, we, the result was we saw mortgage rates hit, hit a high that we haven't seen in decades. Now, obviously, we've seen them pull back from that high, especially over the past few weeks. But bottom line is new inflation numbers are in, and while they're still high, they're cooling off. So you got to remember that month of June, we saw the headline inflation number coming at 9.1%. That was the high for the year. But you also got to look at now we've seen a decline for five consecutive months. So the trend is there. It's not decelerating at a rate that you know we're really going to start feeling good about sure, it. But sure. bottom line is we're seeing a trend. So you got to look in June it was 9.1% in September 8.2%, October 7.7%, November 7.1%. And right. the general consensus was that that number was going to come in 7 7.3%. So it it just covers a couple things. It shows the trend that is decelerating. This past month, inflation came in lower than anticipated. So this certainly raises the hopes that the Federal Reserve will be able to ease back on their aggressive interest rate increases. Now, of course, the Federal Reserve um, December meeting kicks off today. They're going to release comments tomorrow. General consensus is that they will raise one half of 1%, 50 basis points, and then likely continue a smaller increases throughout the year of 2023. And that obviously bodes well for the market. It bodes well for U.S. consumers because the one thing that we saw in this inflation report for November, it was broad-based. We saw a bunch of categories starting to starting to drop as far as their their costs, their prices, which is which is great across the board. So yeah, we're seeing a, uh, a pretty significant rally today. We have the S&P 500 up more than 3%, NASDAQ up over 4%. 
So uh, certainly a good week thus far. So if you were locked into a particular mortgage rate, you will want to keep where it is based on the idea that rate might rise. Yeah, I mean, I mean well, here's look the- at what I'm doing. I'm trying to buy a house. What am I doing, Jeremiah? Come on, help me out. <laughs> well, listen, listen. I mean, it, it's kind of tough. It's because hindsight, you look at where interest rates were, you know, a, a year ago, six yeah. months, whatever the case may be. So looking at those rates compared to where we are right now, it's like, ugh, geez. But you also got to remember, historically, like going back, you know, 20, 30 years, we're still, I mean, the interest rates are still looking relatively good. So now the question becomes, okay, if if we do in fact hit a recession, what is the Federal Reserve likely going to do? Well, the market's likely pricing in that the Federal Reserve at some point will actually have to lower rates because they're actually going to cause a recession. They're going to slow down the economy, and then they're going to have to lower rates to kind of get the economy back up and running again. Now, no one has that crystal ball. We don't know if, in fact, that's going to happen. But the reality is when it comes to um, to a home and it comes to mortgage rates, I mean, listen, you got you to look at it for the purpose of what it is. And if you find the house that you like, it's it checks all the boxes and you know, you're able to afford that cost with that interest rate. Well, then there's your answer. And then if down the line, we see interest rates drop significantly again, you're going to always have the ability anyway. to refinance. Yeah, I got you. All right, my man. Thank you very much for your time today. Market looking good. We'll look forward to hearing from you again at 830 today. Thanks, gents. Right on. Jeremiah Bates. There he goes. KBOI News Time 728. Tonight at 10, it's Michael Knowles. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 7.42 on News Talk KBOI. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today, along with Chris Walton. How we doing over there, Chris? Not bad. There was an article in the, uh, it was an opinion thing, but it was in the Washington Post ranking what they uh, considered to be their, I don't know, the 100 best Christmas songs. Oh, yeah? And um, uh, a lot of the really catchy ones were down low on the list. Number one, for some reason, was Good King Wenceslas, which you rarely hear people sing anymore. Hmm. Do you have a favorite Christmas song? Uh, Well, it's not Good King Wenceslas. No, that wouldn't be mine either. I think Mary Did You Know probably is mine. Yeah. Okay. That's a relatively modern one. Okay. I think I'd go with Oh Holy Night. Yeah, that's pretty good. I think that's my favorite. As Christmas songs go, that's a, you know, a little bit more on mm-hmm. the religious side for some people. Nevertheless. Uh, still looking at uh, interest rates. Doing pretty good this morning. Although the Dow uh, up right now 530 points and still moving. Market only open over the last 15 minutes, so... You know, we're going to see some of that uh, going on today. Uh, We're going to go into sports a little bit early here at 744. Uh, We just found out about half an hour ago that Mississippi State coach Mike Leach has died this morning. Only 61 years old. By the way, sports is brought to you by the Pork Belly in downtown CUNA. Breakfast, brunch, and lunch with a twist. Open every day, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. Check out the menu at porkbellyidaho.com. I think you're going to be impressed with what you see there. Uh, By the way, they are closed Christmas Day. Uh, Otherwise, they are going to be open and cooking for you. Yeah, Mike Leach, um, he was hospitalized. Jeez, was it just yesterday or last night? It was day before. It was, uh, uh, let's see, Sunday night he was hospitalized. And then apparently they made the announcement this morning, but he died sometime last night. I gotcha. Uh, 
Mike Leach was the coach at Wazoo for a while, and that was fun. Yeah, eight that was years. fun for a lot of people here. They had that one season uh, where they went eleven and two. And he was, was coach 20, of the year. Yeah, twenty eighteen. Yeah, he was that year. Yeah, a fantastic coach, and really interesting. <laughs> I mean, post game interviews were the most fun when Mike Leach was a part of it. Um, so sad news for uh, a lot of people that are out there. I just wanted to make sure that we got that out there. Um, there's other sports news that I want to tell you about. Boise State football appears to be nearing the end of its search for a new offensive coordinator. Boise State's head coach, Andy Avalos, said yesterday that the plan remains to have an offensive coordinator hired and announced prior to next Wednesday's National Signing Day, which is December 21st. Uh, Avalos had been searching for an offensive coordinator ever since he fired Tim Plow back on September 24th and then replaced him with interim coordinator Dirk Cutter for the remainder of the season. Now, as we know, Dirk Cutter is not coming back next year. He said many times and been adamant he's just helping out through the end of this year, and then he's going to go do something else. Uh, Avalos, who was, he was kind of open to chatting about it uh, on Monday while he was speaking to the media, and we were all kind of surprised to hear about this. Uh, but he did say there was a lot of interest out there, and they have pieces in place. But he did not say who he was going to hire, of course. Yeah. We'll see. There's a lot of interest in the position. KBOI News Time 746. Remember, if you missed any part of Casper and Chris this morning, check out their podcast on the KBOI app or on KBOI.com. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 7.52 on News Talk KBOI. Chris, I've been reading a little more about this uh, energy thing that we were talking about earlier today. Chris knows what I'm talking about, but I'll mm-hmm. I'll try and I don't want to paraphrase the whole thing because it's pretty exciting. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm is going to be announcing a major scientific breakthrough today. It involves the decades-long quest to harness fusion. Fusion? What is it? Well, we know what nuclear energy is. It's the energy that powers the sun and the stars. Fusion. A major scientific breakthrough from the National Laboratory in California, the Lawrence Livermore Institute. Uh, For the first time, they produced more energy in a fusion reaction than was used to ignite it. It's called net energy gain. And according to government officials uh, and uh, scientists that are familiar with the research, uh, they have told us that this is what's what's going to be announced today. (laughs) Proponents of fusion say that this is the thing that's going to produce nearly limitless carbon free energy. And apparently it it uh, is a lot like uh, producing nuclear power, but without the nuclear waste or the radiation i would think that's pretty exciting and also the kind of thing that's going to make oil companies poop their pants a little bit uh not today not today the 
elements later. Use, the elements they use are called deuterium and uh, tritium. Uh, the amount of deuter- uh, deuterium that you find in a glass of water and a little bit of uh, tritium added to that could power the average house for a year. And that's something. Isn't that something? Fusion works by pressing hydrogen atoms into each other with such force that they combine into helium, releasing enormous amounts of energy and heat. Unlike other nuclear reactions, it doesn't create radioactive waste. Exactly. Not something. So you don't have to bury anything in your spare time. Now, how do they do this? The... They, they used 192 lasers and... And see, I never thought of that. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> like, like we were just this so close. They, they used this specific facility and they used these lasers in temperatures multiple times hotter than the center of the sun to create an extremely brief fusion reaction. The lasers focus an enormous amount of heat on a small metal can. The result is a superheated plasma environment where fusion can occur. Okay, that's awesome. I don't really understand how exactly that works, but I can tell you the net energy gain achievement applied to the fusion reaction itself, not the total amount of power it took to operate the lasers and run the project. For fusion to be viable, it needs to produce significantly more power and for longer than the power it takes to heat that sucker up. Right. I mean, that's the that's not the official way you might. We've been say it, but discussing that for I'm a few years now. You. Any energy source ideally will uh, put out more energy than you put into it. Otherwise, it's kind of worthless. Yeah. Net energy gain isn't a huge surprise from the California lab because of progress it had already made, according to the professors that are there uh, that specialize in plasma physics, but. This is a big, big achievement for this group. And they'll be making an announcement about harnessing fusion today. And that's going to be sweet. All right, we'll take a break. KBY News Time, 7.57. Today from 10 to 1, it's Dan Bongino. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. It's 8.07. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today. Mike will be back tomorrow here with Chris Walton. Good morning. Good morning to you. How do you feel about property tax relief here in Idaho? Uh, I'm all in favor of relief. Nobody has been screaming for that for the last several years, right? (laughs) Nobody wants property tax relief. Nobody except, you know, almost everyone. Everyone. Right. Well, I, I know I've been sarcastic here before in um time or two, yeah. I don't understand why some things have been put on the front burner for folks that are um you know, helping appropriate funds and make law in Idaho. Seems like the one thing everybody really, really wants is property tax relief. And we might be on the verge of something here. So I'll give you the story that I saw today. 
After three record income tax cuts in two years, it's time for Idaho this year to turn to property tax relief, according to Senator Scott Grow of Eagle. He is hopeful that his latest draft bill, in addition to at least two others that are in the works, can be a big focus of the upcoming legislative session, which will begin after New Year's on January 9th. Now, Senator Scott Groh's proposal is still being fine-tuned, so we're not entirely sure what it's, it's going to be about. But it's pretty exciting from what we look at. It's calling for earmarking 10% of Idaho sales tax revenues to go to property tax relief for homeowners. That would be done in the form of a state-paid credit against the property tax owed, which apparently is very similar to the circuit breaker state-funded property tax reduction for low-income seniors. Why does this feel like daylight saving time? Like they're... Uh, cutting off uh, you know one end of the stick and attaching it to the other end. Well, that's that's a good question. I I see the point you're making. Here's some tax relief, but bear in mind we have to raise this kind of taxes mm-hmm. to lower this kind. As the story goes, as Grow envisions it, the credit would come to roughly forty percent of a homeowner's property tax bill after the homeowner's exemption excluding voter-appropriated levies, which wouldn't be subsidized. And he says the relief would total roughly $330 million a year. Sounds pretty good. Sure. I mean... If it's correct. Yeah, if it works. Sounds pretty good. By the way, I I believe it was... uh, Betsy that put out this story uh, through the Idaho Press. Betsy Russell? Yeah. Who was retiring, by the way. She's retiring, yeah. Yeah. How long has that been in the works? Don't know, but she announced it about a month ago. Yeah. So if you would like to see the full story on it, um, I would encourage you to go read what she has uh, available for you. If you you. asked her how long has this been in the works, she'll say 40 years. I've been doing this way too long. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. We have been telling you, and you have been telling us, let me put that again, you have definitely been telling us property tax relief needs to be number one on the list. There's the grocery tax that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. There's property tax relief. Those are the, I think, 1 and 1A. Idaho folks want those two things taken care of, and they want it taken care of now. We've been waiting on it a long time. Seems to make sense. Well, I'm excited, though. I don't know if it's going to work or not. I'm That's above my pay grade, you know. <laughs> but I'm glad that at least there's some forward momentum on this. And it looks like um, Representative Bruce Scogg of Nampa has also been working for the past couple of years on some legislation to increase and re-index the homeowner's exemption. His bill on the homeowner's exemption had more than 40 co-sponsors two years ago, but then House Revenue and Taxation Committee Chair Stephen Harris of Meridian refused to allow it into an introductory hearing in his committee. He's redrafted the bill with some updates, 
and he's bringing it back. The latest version of his bill would raise the cap on the homeowner's exemption, which is now capped at $125,000, to $242,000, and bring back the indexing of the cap to the Idaho Housing Price Index. I'm reading ahead, sorry. In 2016, the legislation froze the exemption, which previously had its maximum amount go up and down with Idaho housing prices. Then Idaho home prices just jumped, Mm -hmm. right? It resulted in a huge tax increase for Idaho homeowners whose exemption was capped. And that is pretty much all homeowners around here because everybody's property value increased by all kinds of crazy numbers. But you had to pay the tax on it, right? Which is what, you know, I'm trying to figure out right now. <laughs> I gotta have to pay this mm-hmm. right after Christmas. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're all in the same boat here. Um, we all like surprise bills about the same. So, property tax relief. It appears there's some things that are still coming out. We'll know in January how quickly they'll start discussing it. I like what I'm hearing. Hope you do too. KBOI News Time 814. It's 670 KBOI on Alexa. First say, Alexa, enable the 670 KBOI skill. Then when you want to listen, say, Alexa, open 670 KBOI. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. And we're here without Mike Casper today, but that's all right. We still got a question, and you still have a chance to win. You're here, so the program isn't just called And Chris. And here's Chris. <laughs> All right. What is the question, and what are we playing for? The question is, which American president was the first one to visit all 50 states? We are playing for a gift certificate, $50 worth to Costa Vida. And the whole thing, of course, brought to you by Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Silverhawk Realty, a local company with a global network for all your real estate needs. Call 208-888-4128. I like Costa Vida. All right, Guy, you're up first. Thanks for calling us this morning on News Talk KBOI. Guy, what you know, buddy? Uh, I, I want to say it's Richard Nixon. It could be. It is. It is. Richard Nixon. It might Nixon. be. It could be. Yeah. It is. Holy cows. <laughs> Deep well, drive. Well done, Richard. By Sandberg on the end of the infield. Good job. Uh, Guy, congratulations. We've got a Costa Vida Thank gift you. card for you. Going to put yeah, you, you on knew, hold. You knew it wasn't going to be one of the earliest presidents because, well, we didn't have 50 states until 1959. You know, it could have been John Adams if there was a horse fast enough to get to Hawaii and could walk on water. Could have been. Well, you can't say you've been to a state if it isn't a state yet. That's, well, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. It, Lewis and Clark didn't go to very many states because they just crossed a whole lot of Hawaii you know, was the last territory to become a state, right? Right. And what year was that? 1959. So it had to be a president and after 1959, so it had be, and you had to be able to, you know. It had to be Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan. There you, know, you go. And on and on. Yeah. But it was Nixon. That was I the said Carter. I was wrong. So and you weren't I that far off. This yeah. Missed it, missed it by two presidents. Anyway, Guy, congratulations to you and have fun over at Costa Vida. Uh, we have news on the way here at the bottom of the hour for you. The stocks are still looking really good today. Um, 
The NASDAQ is up. Gold is up. Oil is up. I mean, yeah, it's looking all right. The Dow's up 300 points right now. S&P is up 67. KBOI News Time, it's 827. This is Bronco Tuesday, where we discuss the Olympic sports at Boise State. Now, here's Mike Casper, Chris Walton, and the voice of the Broncos, Bob Beeler. On your flagship for the Broncos, News Talk KBOI. I like how you get an official title when we do this. <laughs> and there's Rick Worthington, who's just filling in for Mike Casper today, along with Chris Walton and Bob Beeler. And uh, as it is Bronco Tuesday, Bob, tell us who we're talking to today. Well, we want to welcome Cody Gogler to the program. He is the Senior Associate Athletic Director for External Affairs. Cody, saw you in uh, St. Louis this weekend. Uh, you must have had a good time down there making the game. <laughs> good morning, gentlemen. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it was an awesome trip. Uh, love getting to uh, spend time with our student athletes and our coaches on the road. And have never been to St. Louis before, so it was a quick trip in and out and always good to come home with the win. Now, this is going to be a little longer trip. So when you guys are planning to take the entire football team, and I mean the entire team because everybody goes, not like some road games where you're limited to the number you can take, how much more of a of, of a challenge is it and the fact that you're going to be gone for about four days versus uh, usually just overnight? You know, these these bowl games are such an incredible opportunity to, uh, you know, provide such an, an elite experience for our student-athletes. And, uh, you know, our staff and our student-athletes work extremely hard to, you know, to get to this point. And so really just honestly, Bob, and I'm grateful for, you know, Joel Snyder and our football staff, uh, Bob Carney on our, on our side uh, in athletics. Uh, just the work that goes into it is unreal. We, uh, as soon as we found out what bowl game we were going to on uh, Selection Sunday, uh, you basically get all your cell phones out, make sure you have your chargers out as well, and you start making <laughs> phone calls and getting travel arranged and getting uh, manifest quotes for, for flights. And um, it's a pretty impressive process. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we'll, have, we'll have two, two flights today. Our, our first flight will be early this afternoon with just our, our coaches and our, our student-athletes and our, our staff. And, and then our second flight will be um, support staff uh, from administration and then the families of our of our coaching staff. So it'll be an awesome opportunity for everybody to spend, you know, three to four days together in a, in a, in a new place. And certainly the state of Texas is, is a, uh, is a pretty awesome place to be when you talk about recruiting and getting our brand out in a pretty big market down there. That's what I'm talking about. Recruiting in Texas, Cody, this is Rick Worthington. <laughs> I want to talk to you a little bit about the activities that are associated with this. I mean, Bowl games are a big deal for football teams, not necessarily because of the game itself. It's all the activities and the things that are around it. So talk to us about what the Broncos are going to be doing this week. Yeah, so, um, you know, we we think we're going to have a pretty decent contingent uh, for such a short notice in Frisco from our fans, and we're hopeful that we will. Um, and, and so what we're going to do through the Bronco Athletic Association and the Alumni Association is, is uh, really – provide as many free no-host events for our fans that are going to be in the DFW, greater Metroplex, Frisco area this week. And so um, we have our various team events throughout the week. We have some charity events that are being lined up that our staff and student-athletes will participate in. And then certainly the bowl offers events for our team to participate. So there's, pr- there's a pretty extensive schedule Wednesday through Friday for our fans. We are going to have a Frisco Fan Fest at the Sheraton Stonebriar Hotel um, this Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. It'll be a no-host, uh, pop-in type party. 
um, where our staff will be there basically just to mix and mingle and get all of our Broncos together and, and uh, spend some, some good time together before dinner on, on Friday night. And then on Saturday, on game day, we're actually going to do the Bronco walk in Frisco. We're going to do a Frisco-style Bronco walk at our at our uh, team hotel, and, and that'll be at the Weston Stonebriar Resort and Spa. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna ask our fans to come out around 4:45 and and uh, line up as our as our as our team heads towards the buses to to try to get their secure their tenth win of the season over a formidable opponent in North Texas. Uh, so we'll do a Frisco-style Bronco walk. Excited about that. And then finally, we're going to have a party inside the stadium. Uh, you know, from a tailgating standpoint, um, the gates will open up at 6.15 at Toyota Stadium and free for all staff, families, and, and fans. The, the BAA and Alumni Association are going to welcome everyone to the Michelob Ultra Zone on the northwest terrace of Toyota Stadium, where we're going to have a, uh, a Boise State uh, party. And it'll be called the Bronco Zone Terrace Party. Nice. Be a cash bar, and then we'll provide light appetizers as well. Good deal. What what kind of a place uh, to play, or for spectators even, is Toyota Stadium? You know, so it's uh, FC Dallas. FC Dallas is a is an MLS team there in Frisco, and so it's about a 20,000-seat stadium designed specifically for for soccer. It'll be a natural, natural grass field. Um, but as you probably know, that's where the FCS, uh, national championship uh, has been played over the last decade or so. It's a it's a really nice venue and a really nice part of of North Texas. We're visiting with Cody Gogler. He is the senior associate athletic director for external affairs. Cody, I know the team they mentioned yesterday is going to be practicing at the Star. And for people that don't know what the Star is, it's the Dallas Cowboys uh, practice facility. Hey, so, what? <laughs> yeah. So, how much fun do you think that's going to be? Oh, it's going to be awesome. You know, I, I've actually, you know, having lived in and grown up in Texas and then previously worked at, at Baylor, I, I've actually not been uh, to the star myself. And so I'm really, really excited to to see it. And the star this time of the year at the Ford Center is such an awesome experience. They've got Christmas events for the public to come out to. Um, so for our for our student athletes to, to be able to go and practice in, in in a world-class facility and take the tour and see what NFL players have access to at the highest level is pretty cool. And then and obviously on top of that, we uh, we've got quite a few Broncos uh, that are that are part of the, the Dallas franchise. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> they're on the road this week. Uh, that's the only unfortunate piece. They'll be on the road and probably won't get a, get an opportunity to spend much time with them. I'm just thinking to myself, it would be pretty cool if we got Tank to put a jersey on DeMarcus Lawrence. <laughs> just come out and practice with us, man. <laughs> hey, you know, a little scout team, you know, put you know, put him on the edge and see what kind of work he can do. I think that would be a good a good learning experience for, for Kalen, for sure. Cody, yeah. I don't know how much uh, – we, we touched on it a little bit. I don't know how much, you know, say Boise State has in what bowl game they end up in, but – with as many kids on the team from Texas, that has to be exciting for them, but also because it's been such a hotbed of recruiting lately for Boise State. I would think having this game in Texas in the Dallas area has to be huge. It is. It is. And that's why you see so many different bowl games in Texas, you know, and, and you know, obviously here at Boise State, but across the country, you know, Texas is is a hotbed for recruiting. And North Texas is is one of those major points of emphasis in Texas recruiting. Um, and so for us to have the ability to go down there and spend some time with families that, you know, that obviously we've, we've already got current student athletes on our roster that are from, from the great state of Texas, to have them have this incredible chance to spend time with their families is pretty special. Um, and, and, and honestly, Bob and Rick, it's, it's just a, it's a perfect scenario for our team. You know, certainly – 
Um, when you look at bowl games, they can be anywhere from this first week all the way through the, the new year. And so with the new signing day and having the opportunity to complete your bowl game on the 17th and get back and, and do signing day on the 21st mm-hmm. and then have you know Christmas after that, it, it really is a, a nice experience for our student athletes to where they're going to get a chance to, to be with their families for Christmas. It's a good wrap to the year having all those things. Boom, 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 boom. Cody, thanks for your time today, man. We appreciate it. Have yourself a good time in Texas. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful day. Appreciate right. you. Cody Gogler joining us here. We're going to talk about the game a little bit with Bob. Stand by. We'll be right back. KBOI News Time is 848. Now, back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos. News Talk KBOI. 850. Bronco Tuesday. Bob Beeler here to talk to us about the North Texas Mean Green. Uh, the Broncos will be taking them on in the... Uh, game that's upcoming this Saturday. Let's talk about it. Well, most famous football player ever to play at North Texas is Mean Joe Green. That's right. Played for the Steelers back in the 70s, and uh, I guess it was coincidental that Mean Joe played for the Mean Green. Mm -hmm. Hey, kid. Catch. That is, I I think, one of the best I remember him from that Coca-Cola commercial. Want my Coke? So, when you look look at them, they've got some pretty good numbers, guys, offensively, but they've also given up a lot of points on the defensive side. It seems like they play a lot of high-scoring games. On the offensive side, I think I may have mentioned yesterday their quarterback is 29 years old, Austin Ani. Wow. He's completed 57% of his passes, but thrown for 32 touchdowns yep. this season, but 13 interceptions as well, averages over 250 yards. They have a running back by committee. Ragsdale has averaged uh, this season 55 yards a game. A day has averaged 67 yards a game. Johnson, the third back, averaged 25, so they run running yep. backs in and out offensively throughout the day. Now, now, the quarterback, do any of the coaches have to call him sir? <laughs> Might be older than some of them. I, I, think, think, so. I think he is, as a matter of fact. Certainly, probably, than the GAs. Say, the what team. was the Heisman? Chris Winkie, right? Mm-hmm. That was the Heisman Trophy winner. And then was there like was a, a Wheaton at uh, Oklahoma State was another guy. But mm-hmm. All three of them played minor league baseball. Right. And that's why they started their college. They had team. eligibility, and they could chuck it. And this dude can spin it, too. I mean, he did throw for 3,300 yeah, yards. exactly. And, you know, 32 touchdowns, that's a good season yeah. by any stretch. Uh, the uh, defense is led by their linebackers, K.D. Davis, who was first-team All-Conference USA, 132 tackles. He was also Conference USA Player of the Year defensively. They've got two really good corners. Ridge Texada is uh, probably the best one. He also was first-team All-Conference. And they've got a couple of guys up front, uh, Mason Richards, who plays defensive end, who has seven and a half sacks this season. So hmm. they've got some guys that can play. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how much they're interested in playing because they have an interim coach. They decided they wanted to make a change. So despite the fact they were seven and six played in their conference championship, uh, six and two in the conference, they made a coaching change. So that's always an interesting dynamic when that's you have a Texas bowl game. football, man. You go <laughs> perfect or, you know, get looked at. So supposedly the president had an ultimatum that they had to win eight in the regular season. Really? They did not. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if, if he had counted the bowl season, they could win eight, but I, apparently he doesn't want to. Well, uh, they went seven and six. They'll have an opportunity to win their eighth game. So, I And mean, Boise State will have an opportunity to win number 10, and yeah. I always think in college football, you can get to 10. Yeah, that's that is a, good a really good season. For sure. Really good season. Um, and then yesterday, right. Coach spoke, and it sounds like you know nobody's opted out. You see though, that happen all the time in bowl games. It sounds yeah. like we've got our... Full complement of players going down there, which is a good sign, too. That's, that's good. And I know that he also did mention that there's still 
thinking about an offensive coordinator, and that might be happening fairly soon. They're expecting that to be named after the bowl game and before signing day. So okay. that would be between Sunday and Tuesday then would be my it's guess. It's coming right up, and we'll tell you all about it. We're going to tell you about basketball when we come back. KBOI News Time is 8.54. Now, back to Bronco Tuesday on your flagship for the Broncos. News Talk. KBOI. Got about a minute and a half here. I want to remind everybody the Broncos playing some hoops against the New Orleans Privateers, Bob. It's a fancy name for Pirates. <laughs> They're 2-6. and six. Uh, They got beat at uh, Portland the other night, 100-61, to 61, so they're staying out west. Uh, they are in the Southland Conference. They were picked third in their conference at the start of the season. Uh, I think this game tonight's more about Boise State. Get out, take care of business, and uh, win number eight in a row. Broncos 8-2 and two right now. It'd be nice to get that uh, ninth victory, fourth at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, New Orleans hasn't played specifically great. So in, in like the last this. minute, tell me what the privateers do. What have you seen? Well, I watched a little of their game last night with Louisiana. They got a couple of big guys inside, 6'9", six, 6'10". Six, they look fairly athletic. But again, different level, Southland and Mountain West. All right, we will have a pair of tickets to give away. Uh, we want to give away... To caller six, you want to give away a pair right now? We're going to give away a pair of tickets right now to see tonight's basketball game. I don't know where the tickets came from, but that's not my business. I just know that we have a pair of tickets to give away right now. Give us a call if you want them. Caller six at 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-KBOI, or pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Uh, we'll have a pair to give away now. We'll have another pair of tickets to give away in the next hour as well. So um, who are those provided by? Do we have a sponsor to thank for this? Uh, yeah, Cloverdale Plumbing. It is Cloverdale Plumbing. Sure. Okay, excellent. Want to make sure I got that in. Now we're compliant. All right, caller six, <laughs> best of luck to you. We'll take a break. News is on the way for you. KBOI News Time is 8. Ben Shapiro this afternoon at 1. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. Welcome, one and all. Mike Casper is off today. Should be in tomorrow, though. Rick Worthington filling in along with Chris Walt. Glad that you're here with us today. A little nicer day for us than yesterday when it was just snowy and everybody was having a hard time getting in. Kids all of a sudden had a snow day. Yeah, this is a little easier on us. We'll open up the phone lines for you to do. For you today, excuse me, 208-336-3700. Because we want to. That's right. (laughs) 1-800-529-KBOI, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. Uh, several topics uh, on the docket today. Locally, property tax relief is something that we can talk about. Let's hope it's something we can do and as Betsy, well. Betsy uh, from the... Betsy Russell, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. First name basis, I apologize. Betsy is reporting today through the Idaho Press that after three record income tax cuts two years... Over, over the last two years, it's about time Idaho looks at property tax relief. And that is according to Senator Scott Grow of Eagle. Now, he spent the last eight months meeting and negotiating with an array of other lawmakers and experts and stakeholders to try and come up with a major property tax relief proposal for Idaho homeowners. And he's hopeful that his latest draft bill, in addition to at least two others, are in the works that could bring a huge focus of the upcoming legislative session, which convenes on January 9th, mm-hmm. to 
finally in Idaho start dealing with property tax relief, which we have been well, literally I mean, screaming for. Yeah, I mean, it's not like something that they've, you know, talked about doing for 50 consecutive years. Or is it? It is. Uh, it is. Yeah. They have been talking about it. Well, and, and more to the point, over the last three or four years, while prices have been going crazy here yeah. in the Treasure Valley, with so many people moving in and so much building going on, we have been talking about property tax relief. Mm-hmm. And it just hasn't gotten done. I am not naive enough to think that because nothing has gotten done that there hasn't been some work in the, on the background end to try and get something done. I know there has been different lawmakers that have tried to get something done, but it hasn't gotten done. Yeah. Grocery tax is another one that we have been screaming about. Well, we know there's been some work. It just hasn't gotten done. And it's not that people are looking for a grocery tax credit, a larger one. Uh, It's that they're looking to just simply get rid of the tax on food. Right. So I'll, I'll get a little more specific here. And again, this is thanks to Betsy Russell over at the Idaho Press. Grow's proposal, she writes, which is still being fine-tuned, calls for earmarking 10% of Idaho's sales tax revenues to go to property tax relief for homeowners. It would be done in the form of a state-paid credit against the property tax owed, similar to how the circuit breaker state-funded property tax reduction for low-income seniors works. And as Grow envisions it, the credit would come to roughly 40% of a homeowner's property tax bill after the homeowner's exemption, excluding voter-approved levies, which wouldn't be subsidized, the relief would total roughly $330 million a year. So if you approve, hmm. if you vote for a levy, it's on you. <laughs> right. Uh, quickly here, Cowboy and Bronco fan in Meridian wrote in and says, recommend they stream part of practice. I don't think they, I don't think they will though. Teams tend to want practice to be rather private. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, somebody wrote in and says, "Where do we text message Rick when he co-hosts with you?" Apparently, we don't still send them to Mike and have Rick open and read them. No, they go. Yeah. I don't have any the, access. They will those, go to Mike, by the way. But you know, I recommend you text him as often as you can to make his phone just blow up when he's not here. <laughs> yeah. But are you are you like you can you they could text you though right uh, yeah are, now are you at uh, Rick at the uh, Rick at dot Worthington at Cumulus okay dot but, com. but you're not Rick at KBOY no I'm not okay you no, could I'm be not. I could be but I'm not <laughs> but you can just send it to Chris at KBOY dot com that'll do you could do that in terms of this property tax relief there's Representative Bruce Scog of Napa who's also been working for the past couple of years on a widely supported legislation which would increase and re-index the homeowner's exemption. Um, His bill on the homeowner's exemption had quite a bit of, uh, well, it was popular with some, about 40 co-sponsors two years ago. But when they introduced it to the Revenue and Taxation Committee, the chair didn't want it on there, and it didn't get on. So they're redrafting that bill. There's some updates, and they're going to try and bring it back. That version of Scog's bill would raise the cap on the homeowner's exemption, 
which is now, as you know, capped at $125,000, it would go up to $242,000 and bring back the indexing of the cap to the Idaho Housing Price Index. Okay. If you don't understand what all that means, it's cool. It's numbers. It's all about the numbers. And I don't want you to have to do equations at this point of the morning because, believe me, that's not my goal here. But there is a new chairman of the House Revenue and Taxation Committee. That would be Representative Jason Monks of Meridian, who also has been in touch with both SCOG and GROW on this particular issue, Mm -hmm. property tax relief. As you would expect. So between the three of them, there's some thought that maybe they can get something done this time around. We're going to cross our fingers for that. Of all the things they could be doing in the legislature, believe me, this will be the most popular. You could do tax cuts, again. You could do grocery tax and get do away with it. That would be pretty popular. But if you saved people in Idaho money on their mm-hmm. property taxes, they're going to stand up and cheer and whistle and bravo and probably vote you back in. You three, I'm telling you, it's a good idea to not only do this, but push it forward to the very front. January 9, first thing you do is you push this to the front. And if it doesn't go through the first time around, you've got a little time to work on it some more before the end of March when you guys are closing up shop. What people hate most about about property tax is that through no fault of your own over the period of a year, your house can go way up in value. Mm -hmm. And you have no intention of selling it. You live where you want to live. But all of a sudden, it's more expensive to pay the taxes on that place where you live. That has certainly happened to me this year. George sent in an instant message. Remember earlier we talked about uh, our favorite Christmas carols, and you said yours was probably a holy night. He says, give this to Rick. If he has not heard it, it will be a treat. And it is Celine Dion's version of O Holy Night. You, I'm sure mm-hmm. you can find it. There's a, a link here. O Holy Night. That is absolutely my favorite Christmas song. Luciano Pavarotti does O Holy Night, and it will bring you to tears. Mm-hmm. Well, at least it has me. So we I'd like, got, to, when I'd I was like gr- to sing along with him, but I ruin it. When so. I was uh, growing up in, in, uh, in Twin Falls in, in our church, there was a guy who used to sing it every year, and he brought me to tears, but not for the same reason. <laughs> uh, uh, Twin Falls. Johnny F. says, Breaking news, as reported by Talking Points Memo, 2,319 texts from and to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows are now public, showing 34 Republican members of Congress texting him about January 6th, Mm-mm. installing the uh, fake electors and declaring martial law, or martial, and they spelled it M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, mm-hmm. law, as they often called it. Uh, yes, vote Trump, vote Republican. They tried to suspend the U.S. Constitution. That's Johnny F. Okay, so he, he doesn't actually mean to vote Republican. Right, he's... Using sarcasm there. Yeah, I'm thinking he pretty much means the exact opposite. Those text messages will go, well, yeah, people are going to look at those. You don't have to show people your text messages. Just just erase them. (laughs) 
I guess those are on government-owned phones, and that's why they can go and grab them? I suppose. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know either. I think it would be an invasion of privacy if they just grabbed Mark Meadows' private <laughs> well, phone and said, we want to look at all your taxes. Yeah, most anything in an investigation is. Well, you know. Some sort of uh, an Justice of Department on that, I guess they can. Well, that's kind of what the problem is right now. Kent writes in and says, this news about harvesting fusion will fall on the same deaf ears as those who refuse to even discuss nuclear power or even accept of the science of genetically modified organism crops that eliminate the uses of pesticides, herbicides, and generates less waste. The general public resist those things they can't see, sun for solar power, or feel, wind for wind power. These voodoo sciences historically haven't stood a chance, even though they have huge benefits for mankind. I'm not so sure this is going to fall on deaf ears this time around. When you talk about clean fusion energy where you could have a limitless number of a limitless amount of power available and it's clean energy sounds like a pretty good thing to me um, this, uh, I, I'm not sure that that'll fall on deaf ear I think it's gonna be a long time before we actually see it yeah. harnessed and used but uh yeah they're they're gonna look into that for sure. This one's not signed, but it says, well, this is a great example to use. Everybody in Idaho was begging for property tax relief for years. Every voter wants it, yet the legislature is keeping it from happening. Just like pot, it's not going to the vote. It's being decided by the people who are supposed to be working for we the people, not the other way around. I'm sorry if this sounds idiot to you, but I think it's important. I think it's important, too, and I don't think you're an idiot by any means. I mean, the look, perception is reality. Doesn't matter who you, who you're, and what you're talking about. Perception is reality. And if the perception is you guys are not working on this, it's only because they hasn't, they're not pushing things up for people to look at. Say, well, here, here's an idea that we've got. I mean, there is some work that's going on in the background. And that's the problem that I, I've had with it as well. I don't see any of the work that's happening. I don't hear any of your ideas. You got to get some of those things out there. So the perception is, well, they're not doing anything because we haven't heard anything about it. And that's why I like this story that Betsy did, and I was talking about it this morning. Here's some ideas, and here's the people that are talking about it. And let's let's bring more ideas if we can get them. Perception is reality, and we need to change the perception. At least, <laughs> I, I bagged on legislators when they were talking about what was the... Um, they, they were talking about the first thing they wanted to talk about when the session started was the cross-dressing shows. Oh, and the drag shows. The yeah. drag shows. I was like, why are we doing that? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And it still is, by the way. But this, this is good stuff. This is what we want you to be working on. So for this story to come out ahead of the session beginning here pretty soon, that's what we want. So... I would love to hear what you guys think about this. 208-336-3700, 1-800-529-KBOI, 1-800-529-5264, pound 670 on your Verizon wireless. KBOI News Time is 920. Listen to KBOI online. Go to KBOI.com and click the Listen Live button. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris, live and local on News Talk KBOI. 
Just a heads up. A couple of minutes, we're going to have some tickets to give away to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Stand by for your chance to win. That's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, we have talked a little bit about property tax. There are several other things that we can discuss, including the uh, city of Boise saving about $5 million or so on personnel expenses. We found this out just recently. It's all because of turnover and because it's really hard to fill some of those positions this year. But of the $5 million we saved on having with 200 or so positions open, well, we spent that money back on overtime. (laughs) So the people that were there, they made a little bit more money because there was overtime to be had. Um, As long as they got the work done, I suppose it's worth it. Almost every department in the report, it's the fiscal year 2022 report released by the city of Boise. Almost every department in the report was impacted by labor shortages. Working with fewer people as uh, Boise itself has kept growing, but we just, haven't been able to continue to bring people in to the workforce for the city. The Idaho Press telling us that Boise City Council will have a presentation on that report during the city council meeting, which is being held tonight, by the way. Now, if you look back one year ago, the city told us they had 228 unfilled positions. At the time, the city's vacancy rate was about 8%. Hasn't gotten much better. The usual, usual vacancy rate is somewhere around four to six percent. So yeah, it's higher than usual. Mm-hmm. So the city of Boise saved five point three million dollars on personnel expenses, but they spent about the same in overtime payroll. All right. What you got, Chris? Uh, let's see here. <laughs> I've got, um, oh, I had an instant message here, but. uh, It wasn't quite as instant as we hoped it was. It was about something else entirely. Gotcha. Um, This is is kind of odd. When you buy a car in the United States, the seller, of course, hands over the the car and and the buyer hands over the money. The seller also hands over the title, Mm -hmm. which, of course, is physical proof of, of ownership. Uh, which you also need to register and insure the vehicle. The title document isn't just a sheet of regular old paper. Instead, it's specially made with various security features to prevent counterfeiting. The problem now, according to uh, a new report in the Wall Street Journal, there simply isn't enough title paper around. Uh, there's, Not talking there's about a shortage. toilet paper, title no, it's, paper. it's title paper. There's a shortage <laughs> of title paper. State officials uh, in Michigan, South Dakota, and Oklahoma have uh, taken steps to conserve their supply. That's crazy. I never mm-hmm. heard such a thing. How would you like to go to the famous Idaho Potato Bowl? We're looking for caller six right now. Call us at 208-336-3700. 208-336-3700. Caller six. Good luck. KBOI News Time 927. Broadcasting from the Empire Title Studios, we are News Talk KBOI. It's 9.35. Thanks for joining us on News Talk KBOI. Rick Worthington in for Mike Casper today. We'll be back tomorrow, I'm told. Chris Walton is here, too, and we want to congratulate Barbara Christner. Did I say it right? Barbara, congratulations. A couple of tickets to the uh, 
famous Idaho potato bowl for you. Uh, if you are wanting to go to the Boise State men's basketball game tonight, we have another pair of tickets to give away before this hour is up. The uh, city in America where inflation is rising the most is Phoenix, Arizona. And probably not just because it's winter time and all the people are there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the warmer places, uh, Phoenix, Miami, Tampa, Atlanta, but also Seattle, which is not quite as warm. It's it's rising there. Uh, those cities that seem to be rising the, the least, Minneapolis, where it's cold, Honolulu, where it's warm, and San Diego and Los Angeles, but also Chicago. So, uh, what is the reasoning for why it goes up in some places and doesn't in others? Does it say? Uh, to to a certain extent, it just it's just based on where prices are uh, month to month. And right now, the the biggest price jumps anywhere have been in Phoenix, Arizona, and gotcha. and the uh, lowest of the major cities. It's like in the hundred major cities, which would include Boise, uh, Minneapolis is last. I want to talk about a local story for just a moment, if we can. It has to do with the Boise Police Department. I think we can all come to some kind of conclusion here, a consensus, that what's been going on at the Boise Police Department has been a little messy here recently. Fired police chief. And now the um, firing of this gentleman... Uh, he is Office of Police Accountability Director. Yeah. Is this Hara is his name? He filed a whistleblower lawsuit now alleging that he was retaliated against for investigating complaints against the former police chief and reviewing police activity via body camera footage. Well, and they said he reviewed that stuff without cause. Uh, is it necessary to have a cause to look at somebody's body cams? I mean, it, it's it's uh, I would I would assume anything a policeman does is for the most part public record. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I'll read from the story. It comes from the uh, Idaho Statesman today. Give credit where credit is due. The lawsuit we're talking about offers some more details on the lead up to Hara's suspension earlier this month and his termination, which was last week on Friday. On December 2nd, Hara was put on administrative leave. Mayor Lauren McLean released a statement saying she had a lack of confidence in Hara's office. A week later, on a vote of 5-1, to one, the city council fired Hara Friday, with city leaders maintaining that Hara had surveilled police and the public by frequently watching police body cameras as the director of the Office of Police Accountability, a semi-independently well, and and again uh if if you're doing some surveillance of the public it's on cameras that uh, everybody's supposed to know are there well and the only time that you would be surveilling anybody in the public would be if if they are having an encounter with a, a, a police officer right? in this case that's exactly what he was doing that's what he says he was doing okay he was reviewing citizen complaints against police McLean then put out a news release accusing Hara of exploiting his access by randomly viewing over 8,000 videos almost exclusively without cause. Hara alleged that the news release is libelous and that the city punished him for doing his job. So let's analyze that question for just a moment. Why would the city not want him viewing all those videos? 
Well, uh, apparently, according to the police department and the mayor, there are uh, things on on the footage that would be private, I guess, uh, unless they are specifically, uh, I don't know whether you have to subpoena them uh, to get a court order or something to uh, to look at the body cam footage. I just thought it was something that uh, police reviewed all the time. But if you're in that position and you're reviewing what other policemen are doing, you use body cameras mm-hmm. and the surveillance footage to examine what has happened but apparently, to find out what it, what exactly is going on there. Apparently what they're saying is... The video is, doesn't unless, lie. Unless there's been an actual complaint, uh, there, uh, again, and it's got to be a particular... Uh, a particular uh, instance. In other words, like uh, this particular policeman uh, had a conflict with somebody on you know, Monday the 17th or whatever. Uh, you can't look at the previous days uh, leading up to that to see if there was anything else that happened that was the same. Or, you, know, mm-hmm. you, you, can't, you can't do comparisons. You just have to look at, at the one, I, according to everybody, but well, okay. according to everybody but Hara. So Hara... Here's what the lawsuit says. He previously worked as an investigative analyst in an earlier version of the city's police oversight office, as well as the city's human resources officer. Before taking over as director of the accountability office in June of 2021, he worked in human resources in Oregon as well. When he was hired, he alleges he received conflicting guidance about what to do when complaints about high-level officers came across his desk. A city regulation was updated to allow him to conduct director's investigations in certain instances instead of forwarding to the Office of Internal Affairs. McLean's chief of staff is Courtney Washburn, told him that the city was working on an update to the ordinance about how to handle sensitive Mm -hmm. complaints against police leaders. Okay, the the Boise OPA ordinance. states as follows the office of police accountability is to be given full unrestricted and complete access to all information files evidence or other material except as otherwise provided by law which the director shall deem necessary in the performance of the duties specified and responsibilities set forth now that makes it sound like it's his decision uh but the city council apparently thought it was theirs i see is is there something that strikes you as a reason why the city wouldn't want him looking at those complaints? I guess just privacy issues. Well, that that could be. Or maybe you don't want any more complaints to come to light. Yeah, that would be the other side of that. I mean, I, I'm just... I'm, I'm going for the I, most I'm innocent I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just saying, if you've got all these problems going on with the police force... You don't want any more stories coming out about what he might be looking at. Say, oh, well, there's some credence to this complaint. I got to bring this forward now. Mm-hmm. Now you've got another story Lucy, that could lead to another story. Lucy Willits was the only city council member to vote against firing him. Uh, Lucy said that uh, the OPA uh, Office of police accountability was not set up for success originally and that she doesn't believe removing Hara was the right thing to do. She stated that there needed to be more conversation between the city and her quote was, let's take the time to get it right. Uh, She said uh, if she had to rewrite the ordinance of OPA today, 
She would likely change the reporting structure regarding who and how people can file complaints to uh, OPA. And she said, for me, that was not a tipping point or fireable offense. Well, also, are they looking for a scapegoat here from all the other problems that they've had? Is that what this is supposed to I, supposed to do? I don't know how somebody simply reviewing uh, camera footage can be used as a scapegoat. It, it's it's not like the uh, uh, it's it's not like the police or anybody else was out there running wild simply because somebody was looking at their at their camera footage. Well, he says this is retaliation for whistleblowing. Which is weird because... That's what he says. How can his job even contain... I mean, be whistleblowing. His job is to look for for malfeasance or for things that are are wrong. That's what he's supposed to be doing. And then apparently when he finds them, uh, is he supposed to keep it to himself? Because telling anybody would be whistleblowing, right? I'm just going by what they're doing. I'm following you. I'm following you. I don't want to make any allegations here. That's not what I'm I'm here to do. You know, I'm I'm a news guy. I ask questions. And I think that right now at this particular time, the city would really like us to not be asking so many questions about the police department. Aside from the questions that they've already had to answer because well, you know, it's ugly. The the firing of the police chief yeah. Ryan Lee, the hiring of police chief Ryan Lee, the, you know, chokehold or whatever he put another officer in that's now caused them another lawsuit it's just messy from top to bottom that whole thing's messy and now you've got a police officer who apparently was going to speak at a an event for Mm -hmm. you know a racist organization that looks really good guys back to the police chief ryan lee hara recommended to the mayor and her staff in a memo back in April that he be fired, that Ryan Lee be fired, or be actually placed on paid leave pending nine employee complaints against him, not necessarily mm-hmm. fired, right? but investigated. Lee was never placed on leave by the mayor until he was asked to resign. That happened in September, as you know, and that's when the complaints were made public. So there again, it makes it look like somebody was trying not to allow those things to uh, become public. Can we say that the hiring of Ryan Lee, I mean, that was that was McLean the whole way. Yeah. Can uh, we say that that was a really bad hire I don't and know. that really I mean, should fall on her? And nece- I don't know that it necessarily was. I mean, I mean, you know, people look at that thing where he, he uh, broke somebody's neck, you know, during a demonstration. Yeah. That, that was obviously. That didn't look good. Well, that was obviously uh, a mistake. My guess is he didn't set out to break the guy's neck. But the the fact that uh uh there were complaints against him and they were not acted upon and not released to the public not made uh, public at all until such time as they were leaked and then, and then all of a sudden things started to happen that's a little weird well all of this is messy i think that's the only conclusion i can draw here's what i would really like to know and i think it's time somebody actually called mayor mclean to the carpet on this why is she not coming on this show why is she not on tv explaining what's going on and what the city is going to do about it mm-hmm. I and mean, if you want to look at this on the up and up mayor mclean we should be hearing from you we should be hearing from you on all of this 
I realize that you haven't got a ton of people around you right now because it's hard to get everybody to higher positions right now. But somebody needs to be in your ear. Hey, you need to get out in front of this. This isn't signed. It says, when do we get to vote the mayor out of office? It's coming up. Well, yeah, it's coming up. It's coming up. uh, It's the same votes that either put her back in office or vote her out. It's clear she won because people were tired of beat her, and rightly so. But I can't imagine the current mayor making it a second time around. She is not a good fit for Boise, Idaho. Uh, People being tired of beat her and and then voting for our current mayor was strange, considering that... uh, Basically, everything that Beter had tried to accomplish, she, on the city council, had voted in favor of. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, he was a liberal. She's a liberal. Uh, why was he even replaced? We'll take a break. We'll take your phone calls. 208-336-3700 if you want to sound off on the mayor or the Boise Police Department today. Listen, the Boise Police Department is filled with a lot of really good people. But this whole thing has been pretty messy. KBOI News Time is... 948. Drive home live and local with Nate Shellman this afternoon at 3. Now back to Mike Casper and Chris Walton. This is Casper and Chris live and local on News Talk KBOI. 952 News Talk KBOI. Got some tickets to give away to the basketball game coming up. Stand by for your chance to win. I want to talk about this real quick before we get done with the program today. And we just got another couple of minutes. So I think this is where the rubber meets the road. It appears that the oversight officer that we've been talking about, Hara, had three meetings in October with city council members. Um, This is according to the lawsuit. He was sent a memo reiterating that directive that complaints from police officers should be handled by human resources. So on November 1st, another memo from the mayor And two council members said there were instances where the office had exceeded its legislative authority and failed to follow through with certain responsibilities. He became concerned with what he believed to be an effort to censor his office's investigations. So on November 21st, he filed a grievance against city officials. This is according to the lawsuit. He filed a grievance. A day later, the police oversight office's access to evidence databases was revoked. Hmm. Could that be retaliation? Well, he did file a grievance against city officials, said they were trying to censor his investigations. Which sort of sounds like... Kind of looks like it... It could be true, yeah. So if you're wondering, could things get any messier with the Boise Police Department? Well, I really don't like to challenge that. Yeah, I think I think maybe so. Rick writes in, not you, but it's a different Rick. Thank you. I would like to know how much have the taxpayers of Boise had to pay for so many lawsuits over the past two years? That is a great question. I don't, the I don't know the answer. Millions. I don't know the answer, but it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Uh, somebody wrote, oh, because I, I had asked, you know, why get rid of Beter? and bring in McLean, who voted virtually the same. Uh, This person says, answer, he was simply mayor for too long and was getting out of control with his pet projects. Hmm. I don't know know that they were pet projects. I mean, he wanted a a big central library and a stadium. Uh, Yep. 
but did not did not get like to have had that baseball team. I'll tell you that. And uh, th- those were yeah, but those are those are things that McLean, you know, when when she was on the city council, had voted in favor of. We'll close out the program with tickets to the Boise State men's basketball team tonight versus New Orleans. If you want to go to the game tonight, now is your chance to win. Caller number 6, 208-336-3700. You'll get a pair of tickets. Caller 6 right now. Mike Casper will be back tomorrow. You guys have a great day.